If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The Supreme Court term that just ended, it was full of incredibly consequential decisions. Of course, the overturning of Roe versus Wade grabbed most of the headlines, and understandably so. But there were a lot of other decisions that you need to pay attention to. And one of them revolved around a high school football coach and prayer, and a decision that seemed too many to blur the line between church and state. So what was the case about, and what does the ruling mean? To answer some questions, we caught up with Kermit Roosevelt. He is a professor of of law at the University of Pennsylvania Cary Law School, also the author of the new book, The Nation That Never Was. So to start, I'd like to kind of have you explain what this case was all about. It was a, a high school football coach in Washington State, correct? Yes, that's right. So what was in play here? The interesting thing about this case is that what's in play really depends on who you listen to. So the majority and the dissent have very different understandings of the facts. And what makes it sort of a frustrating case is that if you accept either side's description of the facts, it's actually a pretty easy case and they're right. So the disagreement between the majority and the dissent isn't necessarily so much about what the law is, which is what the Supreme Court is usually supposed to be telling us. It's more about what was actually happening in this case. That said, the way the court decided this case is going to have implications going forward. So it was basically the coach was put on leave because the school district said that he was having prayers on the football field with the team and they were uncomfortable with that? Am I, is that how it's being presented? It's hard to know what the truth is. And and the funny thing about the Supreme Court is it doesn't even really matter what the truth is about the underlying facts because the Supreme Court sort of tells you what the facts are and then it tells you how the law applies to those facts. So the court decides the case, and the case is what the court says. As far as I know, he wasn't fired. He declined to apply for reinstatement. It is clear there was a dispute between him and the school about his practice of prayer. It's a little bit unclear what that dispute focused on, because it seems like for a while he was praying in a relatively unobtrusive way, and the school wasn't even aware of it. Then a coach from another team brought it to their attention and they talked to him about it. His prayers became more public and more demonstrative. And when the school told him that was a problem, they tried to reach various accommodations with him. He then went very public with it. And he started giving interviews and making media appearances and saying, I want to pray and I'm going to lose my job for it. And then this created a huge upswell of public interest. There were lots of people who came to the football games and swarmed the field to pray with him. So it was massively disruptive. Apparently, though, then the school said this is unacceptable. He stopped doing that. He started doing a more private, sort of less confrontational prayer. And then he says he was disciplined for that. And that's what the Supreme Court majority focused on. You mentioned how the dissent and the majority, it's kind of almost two different lenses they're they're kind of looking through what but what did the majority what was the ruling the ruling was that the school had violated the teachers free speech and free exercise rights by preventing him from engaging in religious exercise in a non-disruptive way 
during a time period when other teachers were free to do more or less whatever they want, they could check their email, they could make a dinner reservation, he wasn't allowed to pray. So from that perspective, it looks as though the school was discriminating against religion, which they're not allowed to do. So one of the principles here, and I'll, I'll say the school context is a hard one because you've got two clashing principles. And one principle is, look, just because you're a government employee, just because you're a public school teacher, that doesn't mean that you surrender your rights. And if you're not interfering with the mission of your employer, if you're not interfering with the educational mission of the school, you should be able to pray, right? As long as you're not hurting anyone else, you can pray just like you can check your email or make a dinner reservation. And that's right. I mean, I think everyone agrees on that principle. Then the flip side is, hey, look, this is a government employee and he exercises authority over students. And they might know that if they pray with him, they get more playing time. If they don't pray with him, they don't. They might feel coerced to participate in a religious ritual that they don't agree with, that they don't believe in. And even for people who do believe, if you tie religion to state approval in this way, it cheapens religion and it corrupts religion because it gives you this secular benefit for engaging in a display of religious belief, which is something the founders were very concerned about. So if you think about him as a private individual who happens to work for the government, just trying to engage in this private religious exercise, he should win. If you think of him as a government official exercising authority over students, you know, impressionable young students who find it difficult to say no and might not know what the consequences are if they don't participate, then he should lose. And the majority took one of those perspectives. The dissent took the other. I'm curious, did the majority talk or address that issue of the possibility of the kids being coerced and doing something they're they're not comfortable with? Because that seems to me like a big aspect of this. I'm personally less concerned with the individual than I am of his his standing over the group. Right. So they they did. And what they said was coercion is a serious problem. Right. And Government officials are not allowed to coerce other people into participating in prayer, but there's no evidence that that happened here. Now, I think that's not a very satisfying answer, and that's one of the reasons I say this is, is an important case going forward, because you're, it's not that likely that you're going to get students complaining about coercion. So, right, the student is afraid, I'm going to lose playing time if I don't pray with this coach. And... You know, there are thousands of coaches out there who might be doing this. There are hundreds of thousands of students who might be subject to this. How many of them are going to go to court and say, I feel coerced? You know, maybe some of them will, and maybe those students will win, but hundreds of thousands of them won't. So once you have this Supreme Court decision saying, look, there's no evidence of coercion, and it's fine if there's no evidence, then certainly people who want to engage in this practice will be emboldened. People will probably be less careful about the danger of pressuring students to participate. And I think we can expect a lot more of this kind of behavior going forward. And it's not all going to conform, you know, regardless of whether this did or not. And sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't, seems to be the answer. But it's not all going to conform to the private prayer that has no influence on anyone else model. We will have more with Kermit Roosevelt right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. Time now to continue our conversation with Kermit Roosevelt of the University of Pennsylvania's Cary Law School. I noticed in skimming through articles, reading articles, that Justice Sotomayor in the dissent seemed to show a photo where 
I believe it was Justice Gorsuch who wrote the the opinion, you know, to the point of this was a man just trying to pray, and she showed the picture of basically an entire team praying at the 50-yard line. It just, to kind of the point of like, we're looking at it through two different lenses, that's a very difficult way to, if we can't agree on the facts, it seems to make any kind of decision very unsatisfying. Well, yeah, I mean, in a way, it's sort of a microcosm of modern America, where we can't agree on basic facts. And we do sort of agree on principles, right? We believe in free and fair elections, and we believe in the peaceful transfer of power. But if you can't agree whether you've had a free and fair election, and if you can't agree whether dark forces aren't trying to steal power, then you have a problem. And that is what happened in this case, you know, is this a judicial proceeding? It went through several layers of federal court review. So some facts are established. And, you know, as you said, Justice Sotomayor had a photo of the coach on the field surrounded by many people holding up helmets from the two teams. So there's no dispute that he did that. The real dispute is what was he disciplined for? So there's no dispute that he engaged in conduct that shouldn't be allowed. The dispute is then the school told him not to do it, and he modified his behavior. Did they punish him for behavior that he should have been allowed to engage in afterwards? It's interesting to me. There were two cases. There was this case, and there was the case in Maine, which uh, basically said public money can be used for private religious schools. As a layman, it seems that that wall between church and state that's so important was made a little bit lower. Am I overstating it, or... Is it getting murkier? Oh, it's definitely getting murkier. And it's it's getting lower, the wall. Over the past, you know, 30 years, the court has been chipping away at that. And some of the principles that they're announcing make sense. But again, there are sort of two ways to look at it. So one is here's a school and it happens to be a religious institution. Should it be excluded from government aid for that reason? Well, if you say yes, it looks like you're discriminating against religion. And in some contexts, I think that's the right way to look at it. You know, are you going to say the fire department can't put out a fire at a church because that would be giving aid to religion? No, you're not going to say that. Some level of government support is the appropriate baseline. But then you've got the question of certain kinds of government support for schools and certain private schools, because the government runs its own public schools, but it decides to support some private schools. Does it have to make all of the benefits equally available to religious schools? And I think maybe the government should be able to say, we don't want to fund religious indoctrination. And it was a principle for a long time. The government can't give direct aid so that government funds are being used to engage in religious indoctrination. And that's the principle that the court got rid of in the name of neutrality. One of the things I've seen a lot of people push back on this ruling is if the coach was Muslim, would this have proceeded along the the same lines? And I would imagine we will start to see maybe cases broader, people trying to push other religions outside of Christianity for this. Do you anticipate that? And how, for lack of a better term, interesting could that get? Well, it could get interesting. I mean, I'm not sure that you're going to see Muslims doing that because, frankly, in most of America, it wouldn't be safe for them to do that. And you get a very different public reaction. You know, you might well have people swarming the field, but they wouldn't be swarming the field to pray with the coach. So I'm not sure that you're going to see that. And that is an important point, because if we say, of course, you can engage in 
private religious activity and maybe it has these spillover effects, it's going to be the mainstream religions that are doing that. So this is a ruling that supports popular, well-established mainstream religions. The pushback that you might see is really, I think, from advocacy organizations like the Satanists. So there's a satanic church and they're not really devil worshipers. What they say is like, we like the idea of Milton's Satan in Paradise Lost because he's a free thinker and we're really supporting free inquiry. And they try to do things to sort of show Christians what it feels like to have a religion that you don't believe in shoved in your face. Because I think a lot of what is going on in the religion cases is Christianity feels very familiar to a lot of people. It feels like the norm. And so they don't see Christian religious symbols or iconography or behavior as the imposition of religion. And what the Satanists do is they get out there and they put up statues of demons. And they're like, this supports free inquiry, right? This is the spirit of science and skepticism. And they put up these statues that look horrifying to Christians. And they're like, so now maybe you see that what you're doing is imposing your religion on other people. And I support that because I think there's a problem in that people don't understand that things that are familiar to them can be oppressive and strange to other people. So, you know, if you change the Pledge of Allegiance from under God to under Allah, suddenly it looks religious to Christians in a way that it didn't look religious before because there's this sort of baseline acceptance of Christianity. And so I think you will see cases about that. And I don't know how the court is going to deal with them. The way this court is constructed in some of these rulings, I would imagine, not, maybe not this specifically, but this church state, we're going to see more and more cases brought that kind of challenge this on both sides. I think there are people out there who are going to try to put the court to the test and see whether it means what it says about all religions or whether this is actually special treatment for Christianity. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>